With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tennis.com podcast. This is Ed McGrogan speaking with Pete Bodo. We um, need to catch up Pete after, you know, just such a a wide wide range of men's happenings here at Wimbledon from, you know, something that you could never foresee before Wimbledon, uh, Nadal going out to 19-year-old Nick Kyrgios, to things that maybe you could, you know, potentially see happening, you know, Dimitrov making his way to the semifinals, kind of his major breakthrough, and, and kind of everything in between. This has been, you know, one of those tournaments that that has and hasn't gone to form in a way. So, you know, where do you want to start with this? Well, it's interesting. Uh, to me, I think what was interesting is there hasn't been a tremendous amount of drama, like the way Dimitrov bought, beat Murray. You know, it's you know open and shut case. The way Federer handled Vavrinka, granted that went for the only guy who won five sets is Djokovic. And my feeling is that the guy who's really sitting pretty here is Djokovic. Uh, you know, he's he's sort of been, you know, he's sort of been you know criticized or you know everyone says well his game is dropped and Nadal's back in control and it's all about Nadal and Djokovic and new guys coming Federer rather and new guys coming up. And, you know, here's Djokovic positioning himself beautifully. I mean, I, I got to believe I haven't checked the stat yet, but I got to believe that if, especially with Nadal's early loss, uh, he picked up some points there. But uh, Djokovic probably will be number one, I think, if he wins this tournament. So he'll certainly be number one. And I did pick, you know, I picked Djokovic going in this tournament to win it. And I did think really, that that's he, a good pick. And I and uh, yeah, going on the limb uh, top seed. But he. Uh, you know, I thought he was sort of an over. He was sort of overlooked in a sense after kind of what happened to him at Roland Garros. And and while we're on the subject of of him, I mean, it, it was a pretty it was a pretty brutal loss at the French for him because of really how much was invested into that. And you know, now at Wimbledon, I, I, it's far, it's been far from a, an invincible path to where he's at. I thought he actually looked. Um, you know, kind of endangered down two sets to one, but I, you know, should have known a little better when we're talking about Chilich on the other side of the net. But, but Djokovic all around, um, you know, he's gonna, he's of course gonna avoid Murray, which I think helps when you think back to, you know, their match last year here, and he's gonna get Dimitrov, and, um, you know, you know, maybe what do you think about that while we're at that? Because you know, as you said, Dimitrov just totally took it to Murray in a result that I don't think anybody saw coming. Well, it's funny. Every cloud is a silver lining. And for Djokovic, a silver lining is that as bummed out as he was to have, you know, and he had really put, I think, too many of his eggs in one basket with his French Open thing. And granted, you know, we understand it's a career grand slam. It's a chance to beat Rafa on the biggest stage of all. 
we're not, whatever, you know. And so, you know, you know, he, you know, now, I mean, I think the guy sort of probably relaxed a little bit and said, well, you know, here we go, let's keep going, keep going on. And suddenly, all of a sudden, it's a new day, and here he is in his semifinals, you know, having only to beat a guy who's pretty green and new at this. And th- that's really, I think, a big part of this equation is that, you know, these young guys, you know, a great win for Kyrgios, for instance, uh, I think I think he was really helped by the fact that he got through nine patch, nine match points with Gasquet and then went on from there. So he's he sort of had his sort of crunch time moment. Dimitrov, we haven't seen that yet. And if anybody can give it to him, it's Djokovic. You know, I, I think actually of the, you know, of the two semifinals that we're talking about, the other we're, we'll get to is Federer and Milos Raonic. I mean, I, I personally think, even though I did pick Djokovic to win the term, I think that Dimitrov does actually have the better shot of the two younger players to get through. And I'm not sure your thoughts on that, but and my only point of hesitation, of course, is that at this Wimbledon tournament, we are being reminded, and I think Kyrgios is a great example of this, of just how potent, you know, a great serve is on grass. And we had that with Lopez in prior matches. Um, it, it's it's really the shot that I think we forget about its potency um, on a surface that is not as fast as it once was, but is still going to, you know, take the ball low and give the server a great edge. It's been a throwback Wimbledon in, in, in many respects. And I sort of saw this coming early on. Uh, there were a couple of big wins here with the guys throwing in, you know, a boatload of aces, 25, 30 aces, getting through matches. Kyrgios really was a, was a very good example with the Gasquet. And you suddenly realize that, you know, these guys are not playing rallies. It's very much about serve. And instead of serve and volley, it's serve and approach is really what it's come down to. Guy serves big, and then he hits the big forehand inside out, you know, most of the time. And then and then either he wins a point or he doesn't. So, I mean, I, I think this win. Wimbledon is a great case study in how, you know, fancy dancing, variety, great baseline play, you know, it can all still be shut down and put aside with big serving. And who was the last big server to win Wimbledon in terms of a guy who relied on his serve overly? It was Andy Roddick. Who almost won Wimbledon. Yes, yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. well. Last guy, last guy, almost who was a real major factor year yeah. after year at Wimbledon yeah. was Andy Roddick, and he would get there and say, "Great, here I am. Now finally, I can get that extra bit of juice out of my serve that will, you know, put me level with these guys on a, on, a, on a court that's been slowed down, but is still, if you serve big enough, you can still beat a lot of people here." Yeah, and I mean, I think you, what you say about serve and approach is a good way to put it because I think in today's game, you know, it's. It's really just, I guess, the evolution of where serve and volley, how palatable it is to players, and and you know, get you know, basically, it's a battle of really who can make, who can get two feet in front of the baseline instead of who can get to the net first. Um, you know, if you want to compare today's game to many, many years back, and you know, we saw that even with with Kyrgios and Nadal, of course. I mean. That was a match where Nadal, I believe, was broken just one time. That that in a way actually reminds me back of we're talking about Andy Roddick. That was his final against Federer um, in 2009. You know, Roddick was broken one time. It was the last game of a of an extended match there, and it's you know it it is coming down to just very slim margins in some of these matches where. Um, you know, the the surface neutralizes a lot, or really evens out the playing field a lot between players who you wouldn't think compare on other surfaces. You know, Kyrgios and Nadal are not going to have this kind of match on clay, for example, on on hard courts even. So, um, it, it's just a uh, another example that I think. 
No, it's kind of a back-to-the-future scenario, frankly. I mean, you know, the, the point is these kinds of matches used to happen at Wimbledon all the time. Kevin Curran beating beating uh, Jimmy Connors. You had, you know, uh, uh, Tim Gullickson beating uh, 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 John McEnroe. And so you had these. If a guy can serve 25, 30 aces in a match, he's in there with a shot. There's just no, you know, no question about it. Do the math. 30 aces equals how many, you know, what percentage of, of each game is a guy given just on the strength of his arm? So, you know, it's, it's nice to see this happening again because, you know, really for a couple of years there wasn't. Federer and Nadal, you didn't really have this. Djokovic didn't even have that either so much. Now it's almost back to where you've got, you know, you've got a handful of guys now. You've got about half a dozen guys who can go out there and beat anybody with their serves. Kyrgios is the newest one, but, you know, you've got, you know, you've had, you know, Karlovich is still around. Uh, you know, Chilich actually has has the potential to do that. There, there are a bunch of people who can do it. Yeah, Jersey Janowitz. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years. Uh, They'll be calling for them to call us to slow the courts down in Wimbledon again. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe maybe some parting words or thoughts on you know both Nadal and Murray because now we have two of the consensus top four, of course out of the tournament um you know for rafa this is this is kind of old hat by now in a way even though it was still so surprising considering the disparity in experience ranking credentials but it is still it's a third straight year of um not reaching the quarters at wimbledon and this was after reaching the finals for five straight years there and for murray you know his streak of consistency at wimbledon was was actually getting to be just as strong. I think he had reached the semis of Wimbledon for the past five years or so. Um, but, you know, I, in in hindsight, some of this Murray stuff was perhaps foretold by, you know, really just kind of an inability to stay healthy, to get into any sort of a groove. And, and he is kind of a groove player, I think. He actually hasn't even reached a final since he won Wimbledon last year. It's hard to believe. Um, so maybe some parting words before we take a look at who's still left. Well, it's funny. I think Rafa is Rafa is basically a very conservative person. He's also a very conservative player, frankly. And I think his conservatism really comes through when he gets out of his comfort zone, which is really clay is his major comfort zone. Even though you know we know how good he is on hard, we know how good he is on guys. The fact of the matter is he's never really feeling like okay, I'm in sort of command here. I'm in control. What it, I'm going to dictate what happens here, you know, for better or worse. I don't think he has that feeling. I think at Wimbledon, he's always kind of looking over his shoulder, always running a little bit scared. This is a guy who can win when he's running scared. So, you know, all power to him. But I think that's really a big part of, of what's happening. Uh, on the other hand, I don't think you can take anything away from Kyrgios. But, you know, if you get psyched into the mentality that, oh, if this guy comes on and he starts serving big, I don't have a chance, then, then, then you know, you know, if the guy's going to serve big, you won't have a chance. And I think that's a little bit. You know, a little bit Rafa's problem at this point with these guys. He sort of is, he's almost ready to accept that he can't win on this the way he used to. And, you know, on the other side of the coin, Murray, uh, you know, I think Murray had built up a great head of steam. I mean, he, you know, he had a good French Open. He, he was playing great here. I sort of think the pressure got to him in kind of in a sneaky way. I think he didn't, you know, he, he knew Dimitrov was in the offing. You know, it was on a horizon. Uh, Djokovic also was, you know, laying in wait there. And I think for him to come out day after day, he played so well through the early rounds. To, to come out day after day, I think when he came out and wasn't feeling it for a change, when suddenly it wasn't like, you know, everything is okay, you know, I'm not under any pressure, there's no, nothing going on, I, I, I think it sort of got to him. I think it all kind of 
caved in and imploded on them. Yeah, just kind of the first sense of resistance there. But and uh, and and man, I mean, Dimitrov, I I have to say, just um, you know, for all the ink he is getting, I I think this is this has been a, a year for him where. You know, he has really embraced kind of, I think, this uh, this mantle as kind of the next great player here. And I think so much of that is, has been said and, and should go to Roger Rashid, as coach, who, as you, as you remember, you know, Rashid was saddled with, you know, some other great talents, too, um, Sanga, Monfils, um, and, you know, those didn't materialize into anything, you know, of of really great length or of substance, really. And you know, I, it seems like Dimitrov has really kind of taken to that and has, um, you know, just really kind of realized, I think, kind of the chance he has to, you know, as, for some younger player to really assume the next role here. I mean, Stan, you know, Vavrinka wins the Australian Open, but Vavrinka is not going to be a player who's going to be around for 10 more years, um, kind of leading the charge now. And Dimitrov seems to want that. And, you know, boy, you couldn't ask for any better performance than he had today. Look, I don't like the gossip. I don't like to talk about these people's personal lives. It's their business. You know, it's, it's, it, you know, you want to say it has nothing to do with tennis, but it does. And the fact of the matter is, I think Sharapova has been a very, very good influence on this kid. You know, I can't tell you exactly how I never hid under the bed or in the closet, you know, while they went back to the hotel room. But you know what? I think she's had a very powerful influence because I think he's seen how hard she works, how much effort she puts into the game. I think that's really sort of stabilized him and made him realize, hey, you know what? It's just not enough to be called baby fed and to, you know, get the occasional quarterfinal, you know, here and there and, and, and to go on from there. I think I think the guy's made great strides mentally. I think with his game, I'm, I think some of the stuff he showed with his tricky angles, his ability to really, you know, kind of really open up the court, hitting a lot of short slices, stuff like that, I think that's going to come in handy. Nobody does that. If you think if you're typical Nadal-Djokovic match, for instance, which has been the gold standard for a couple of years now, this guy's a little bit different. This guy would, he's got the disruption gene, and I think that's really going to serve him pretty well in this era. Now, uh, to the other side of the semis here, you have... Federer, or as I mentioned, now for so long now we have talked about you know what needs to happen for Roger Federer to be in a position to win another major, and the you know the common thread of all that was that he needed some of his biggest uh, nemeses to depart before he ran into them, and that's exactly what's going to ha- what has happened here. Um, he's not going to face Nadal in the semifinals. He wouldn't have to face potentially Andy Murray in the final if he got to that point. Um, you know, things I think have gone pretty well for Federer here thus far, and uh, you know, for him to get uh, and and of course Wawrinka playing him certainly not an easy match by any means. But even though Wawrinka had Federer's number before, and even in substantial tournaments, uh, this really was where Roger built his name, built everything, and I, I never really suspected Vavrinka to um, to beat Federer at Wimbledon on center court, and, you know, that's what happened even though Vavrinka got off to a one-set lead. Well, yeah, look, I mean, the problem for Federer is, is you know, it's summed up in one word, service. You know, if Rayonich goes out, if he serves 30 aces or better, he's going to win that match. I mean, it's going to be hard. It's hard to imagine him not winning that, especially against Roger. And, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I think 
I think it's the sort of the sort of second coming of these guys who are really really big hitters and who can really bring the heat with the serve and really rely on it more more than people have been lately. And Rayonch is one of those guys. He's been a little bit soft in the past, which is why he's been sort of spinning his wheels for a couple of years now. But I think he's he's maturing. All the stuff is coming together, and and he's playing very persuasive tennis. Look, you can't win the match if you can't hit the ball back over the net. And that's going to be Federer's problem, I think. Yeah, you know, Raonic is, um, he's certainly got, certainly got practice today against Kyrgios where, you know, he was really forced to match him ace for ace, you know, service winner for service winner all around. Um, you know, I, I guess the, the overall question kind of begs when you look at these two mirror image semifinals of, you know, really the established old guard active legends against, you know, these two, you know, you know, players knocking at the door in, in Dimitrov and Rionich. You know, you know, how surprised would you be if either of those two youngsters, you know, went on to win Wimbledon? Forget just winning a semifinal, but winning the whole thing. Nothing surprised me at Wimbledon when it plays like Wimbledon. You know, I mean, granted, there have not been a tremendous number of surprise champions, which is weird because what happens at some point is the pressure kicks in. Now, these guys, maybe they're a little bit different these days. Maybe they're a little bit less susceptible to that. Maybe they're a little bit less carried away by the aura of the Grand Slams because, you know, they're doing well at the other events. They're getting a lot of attention, publicity, and money for their, you know, so maybe, maybe to some degree the whole Wimbledon mystique has, has gone down a little bit. But I don't think these guys are that intimidated by, by the prospect of winning Wimbledon anymore. So, I, you know, I think, you know, the old guard, you know, it's, it's the game turns over once again. I would not be at all surprised if either of those guys won. I actually expect Rayonich. I mean, in terms of winning the tournament, that's a little bit of another story. But I, I, I think Verenich has a great shot against Federer, you know, especially if he keeps pounding away at that backhand, both on his serve and you know, on whatever ground strokes he hits. And then on the other side of the net, I think Dimitro's really got his work cut out. But, you know, if one of those guys gets through, it's sort of opening the door on, on a, a gradual changing of the guard. And, and maybe I think I'll end with, with a thought on Djokovic is that you know, with uh, with Boris Becker in, in in tow here in the corner, you know, wouldn't it be kind of something where, you know, obviously as we as we've already talked about, the direction towards the Roland Garros title, the elusive French Open, you know, that didn't happen this year, but you know, to win Wimbledon, if if he can go on and uphold his uh, top seed here, I mean, boy, I mean, Djokovic has talked thoroughly about you know as as much as he has solidified himself as a great hardcore player perhaps the best you know in the game right now um you know to win Wimbledon for a second time that would be something of great significance and you know a, a, a tip of the cap to Becker who obviously knows a thing or two about that yeah, but I I also think that probably Becker would like to see Djokovic play a little bit more aggressively, and and I certainly think and and he hasn't and yeah I don't think he's done that yet to that point to, to the no yeah uh, and I'm not sure he will I mean I think Becker was bought in for sort of psychological reasons which I think preclude a real change of attitude and I think so far. Djokovic has felt he's been able to sort of win from that back. But one of the things about the emergence of these new guys, especially with the serve becoming such a big factor, is you don't know if that's going to work. And on grass, you know, the other thing is, if you remember Bjorn Borg on grass, he had the worst volley on earth, except on grass it was a great volley because he'd hit it over the net and it would die. You know, so in other words, he had no punch, no power, but he would just, you know, hit these dying ducks. Now, Dimitrov, I think, has a capability with his feel and touch to hit enough slice, to hit enough sort of dinky, cutesy shots. And, you know, Nadal, you know, Djokovic's great rival, 
never did that kind of stuff. And so I, I think t- even a guy like Dimitrov, between a really big serve and then the ability not to get into those 25, 30 shot long rallies where you open up the court and he hits the big winner, I, I think that that could really, really help. And I think Djokovic, Djokovic is there to be beaten at, at some level because he's not playing the kind of tennis that imposes his authority on a match and wins points as quickly as possible. You can read a lot of Pete Boda in the coming days here uh, for both of the men's men's and women's finals. You know, Friday during the men's semifinals, uh, Pete will have some early reactions. Uh, we'll have Steve Tegner out at Wimbledon. You know, much more on Tennis.com, of course. And we will return with the podcast um, either the weekend or after Wimbledon to catch up on everything. So tune in next time, and thank you for listening to the Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 